Good evening. Good to see each one of you back for our evening service. If you'd stand with me, please. Let's turn to page 589 together. The song the ladies are playing there, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Amen. Let's sing it out together, all three verses, as we begin the service tonight. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. To thy friends despise forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee, thou wilt find a solace there. Well, trust you had a restful uh, afternoon and looking forward to uh, tonight and getting back into the life of Joshua and so thankful you're here uh, tonight. Man, great group here tonight. What a blessing. Good to have uh, missionary Michael Douglas here with us and and, uh, thankful for him. Continue to pray. Uh, for Miss Ruth and her mom uh, that's still there in the hospital. Uh, Brother Douglas, would you pray for us tonight? She moved into rehab. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. So would you open us in prayer tonight, brother? Yes. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Just have a few announcements I wanted to uh, mention. Uh, of course, uh, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about this coming uh, Friday, September the 16th. We'll be hosting or be having uh, games uh, once again, and that's kickball. Uh, and vol- or kickball and softball, and so uh, looking forward to, uh, to that. I did uh, the first base coach in kickball the other night, and I immediately looked at Brother Eric and said, this is really like herding cats. Amen. Kids running everywhere, but they had a blast, and so want to invite you to come out and be a part of that and have some fellowship. It's just a good time uh, in the Lord. And then, of course, next Saturday, uh, September the 17th, be having our churchwide outreach And so that'll be over in the fellowship hall at 1030 in the morning. And so looking forward to going out and canvassing and those kind of things. And then, of course, men, don't forget about the Baptist Men's Recharge. That's September the 23rd and 24th. And if you haven't turned in your money, you do need to make sure uh, that you do that. And I also wanted to mention that we'll be heading out that Friday uh, at noon and driving down to Andover, Kansas uh, to be there and uh, looking forward to a good time in the Lord there. And then, of course, don't forget about our revival meeting October the 2nd uh, through the 7th. And that is with Brother Ted Alexander. Do pray for him. 
And of course, last week we started our fasting and praying and just picking something each week that we're abstaining from. This week is sweets. And so I uh, do uh, pray uh, for Brother Alexander and the services. Looking forward to hosting also the Midwest Preachers Meeting in the middle of that. That'll be Monday night. And be trying to, uh, let's see, Monday night we'll have a dessert fellowship following the evening service. And then the next morning there's donuts and coffee at 8 a.m. And then there'll be services uh, preaching starting at Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. Going to be having three preachers and then, of course, a barbecue lunch to follow. And so if you can help in any way in, in ministering to these pastors and their families, we would, certainly, uh, we would certainly love for you to help. I know it'll be a blessing, but do be much in prayer for that. We had a great time last year. If you weren't here last year, it was just a blessing to see those preachers come in and, uh, boy, to sing unto the Lord and just a wonderful service Monday night and then Tuesday. And uh, I believe some men got encouraged in the Lord and in the fellowship and the preaching and all that. And so looking forward to doing that again uh, this year. And so pray for those things that are coming up and excited about what God uh, has for us. Okay, brother. Come on. Let's take our hymn books and turn to page 585 now. I'll let you stay seated for this song. But 585, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I'm telling you, I, I'm so thankful that we have a Lord that hears our prayers. Amen. And we can reach out to. Let's sing it out tonight. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He always loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me. All of my troubles He is a kind, compassionate friend If I but ask Him He will deliver Make up my troubles Quickly and in I must tell Jesus I must tell Jesus I cannot bear my burdens alone I must tell Jesus I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, He all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world of evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world, the victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Amen. What a great day it's been so far in the Lord's house. Amen. And I'm going to ask, if Brother Ethan Whitney, would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen.
Let's all stand together one last time, please. Let's turn to page 568. Where could I go but to the Lord? We'll sing all verses tonight. Page 568 for our last song together. Sing it out on the first verse. Living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation sore, where could I go but to the Great singing, and you may be seated tonight. Just before the message tonight, we're going to have a special for Mrs. Quinlan. Complete will be this thing. 
Grace did much more abound, and uh, what a blessing. Well, again, sure glad you're here tonight and looking forward to our study tonight in the life of Joshua. And so take your Bibles, if, and if you're able to stand, let's all stand in honor of God's Word. And want to invite you to Joshua and chapter number 7 tonight, book of Joshua and chapter number 7. And I'll begin reading in verse number 1 tonight. The Bible says this, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, or Zabdi, the son of Zerah, uh, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho, to Ai, which is beside uh, beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but... A few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, if you remember uh, anything from the life of Joshua, and certainly even in studies, maybe you haven't been here for the messages, but I would venture to say that we would all know tonight that chapter 6 ended with a great victory over the city of Jericho. We know this, that the walls came tumbling down. Well, just as God said that they would do, Rahab the harlot was rescued by Joshua and the spies, and what a great picture that is of the Lord Jesus Christ and His second coming. She was in her place, and she was ready, just like we need to be in our place, and we need to be ready. Amen? Uh, And then we also know this, that in the last verse of chapter number 6, it tells us that the fame of Joshua was noised throughout the country, certainly bringing fear into the hearts of their enemies throughout the Canaan land. But now we come to chapter number 7. 
And where chapter 6 ended with great victory, chapter 7 will record Israel's first defeat. We go from the mountaintop of Jericho to the valley of Ai. And here's why. Because beginning in verse number 1, the word but. And it goes on to tell us that Israel had committed a trespass in the accursed thing. Achan took of it and he kindled the anger of the Lord. So here's what I titled the message tonight. But Achan. Because that's about appropriate, isn't it? But really the idea is this is that what happens in chapter number 7 is, is that it tells us the powerful effects that sin can have on our life. I'm just telling you tonight, you need to understand this, that Jericho was a mighty city, but God brought it down. I'm just telling you that Ai was a very small city. Israel should have had no problem defeating it, but the problem is this, there was sin among them that shows you how powerful sin and its effects can be. I, I wrote this in my notes tonight, and you can take it for what, it, what you will, but one of the greatest lies of Satan that men believe today is this, is that my sin only affects me. My friend, that's not true. I said, that's, that's not true. And, and be a fact, if you'll notice there, if you'll notice at the end of verse number 1, it was Achan that took the accursed saying, but the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Therefore, his sin didn't just affect him, just like our sin doesn't just affect us. And this is what, listen, it's, this is a serious warning tonight of how underlying sin begins to surface uh, in Israel because of Achan. And I'm just telling you, the best thing, the best thing that we could ever do tonight is to put away the accursed thing and come to God and get right with Him and praise God that we can plead the blood of Jesus Christ and He'll cleanse us of all our sin and restore us. I'm just telling you tonight, listen, if there are things in your life that, that you would say tonight, well, listen, it's not affecting anybody else. Nobody else knows about it. God knows about it. I said God knows about it and we need to get it right tonight. And that's what we're going to look at. Father, would you bless the preaching of Thy Word and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I remember when our first daughter was born, Madison, and I mean, you want to talk about a very stressful uh, delivery process, and, and I know I've probably told that story on several occasions, but her heart rate uh, began to get too high, and so Natalie had to get, end up having a, an emergency C-section, but, but in the end, we're, uh, we were very thankful we had a healthy uh, baby girl on our hands. Our second daughter, Taylor, fitting to how she is in it personally, was the total opposite of Madison. She, since Natalie had to have a C-section again, this time it was scheduled, and so we went right in, and a few hours later we had another baby girl on our hands, but we also noticed um, something else. She, she began to have this yellow... Uh, tent to her, and if you know anything about that, she ended up uh, having uh, what newborns often have, which is called jaundice, and it turns out when the uh, bilirubin or whatever it is, it's high and the liver isn't working like it should, and so we ended up, we had to just, you know, lay her out in the sun for a few days and and uh, let the vitamin D do its work, and, and then we had to go back and have the blood test, and when that, that nurse poked my daughter's foot, I thought I was going to whack her on, on the head. So, anyways, but after all that, she sort of turned out normal. All right, so. But here's, listen, here's why I'm telling you this tonight. It's because that really illustrates what's taking place in our text. What was happening on the inside of our daughter began to reveal itself on the surface of her skin. Just like what Achan had done in his personal life was beginning to come to the surface in Israel in their battle with Ai. And I'm saying to you tonight, friend, that, that is exactly how sin uh, works in our lives. Now, I, listen, I, I realize tonight that we would, this is a very simple message. Probably most, most of us tonight would say, preacher, we, we know about sin and, 
in all of these things? I would venture to say probably most of us tonight know about this account with, with Achan and, and the end of the story and, and what happens with, with Achan and his family. And, and probably most all of us tonight would say, well, listen, we, we know the dangers of, of dabbling with sin and how it can be and, and its effects on us. But here's what I want to present to you tonight. We, we can say we know all those things, but we still do it. I said we still do it. And, and so the question then becomes, you know, it comes to my mind, why is it that we still do the, the things that we do? And I begin to, you know, chew on that and begin to think about that. And, and certainly some reasons came to my mind. One of those would be this. I, I believe the, the, the reason we begin to dabble with the things that we do, no doubt Achan would do what he did, even though he was told not to, is because it appeals to the flesh. When referencing the faith of Moses, the Hebrews writer, whom I believe to be the Apostle Paul, he said this in Hebrews eleven twenty four and 25. He said, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, now, now listen to this last phrase, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You ever thought about this? That it doesn't say that Moses chose to abstain from the evils of sin for a season. You know why? Because it says to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And here's why. Because they are appealing to our flesh. I remember, you know, I pastored in Cassville, Missouri area, in the southwest Missouri area. Lived in Springfield for five years and and trained for the ministry, and then lived in Cassville for almost 10 years. In southwest Missouri has been dubbed the, the meth capital of the world, especially out there uh, in, in the Cassville area, in the rural areas, and, and things like that. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen these things, you know, just in researching it, in dealing with people that, that are hooked on it. I've, I've seen these, these, uh, these websites and, and different things that they're called the 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 uh you know the faces of meth pictures i don't know if you've ever seen that but what it is 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 it shows what a person looks like before they got addicted to the drug and then it shows what they look like only after a few months or, or maybe a year or so of being hooked on the drug and i'm i'm just telling you the 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 difference between the two pictures is incredibly i, I listen it is it is a dramatic difference I'm talking about a drastic difference. You, their, their teeth begin to rot. Uh, and, and what happens is this, is that their own body is being eaten from the inside out because of this drug. And I listen, I, I see that kind of stuff, and I know the things that happens, and I've always wondered how, how in the world can a person, how in the world can a person, you know, get hooked on this stuff, much, much less try it? Why, why would you even try it? knowing that it does what it does. And then I sat down with a Missouri uh, state trooper, and he began to explain some things to me. He said this, he said, Preacher, he said, imagine the happiest moment that you've ever experienced in your life, like, like the day that you got married, or, or the day when, when one of your, you know, your children were born. And he said this, he said, now, now take that happiest moment and multiply it by 40,000. He said, that's what it's like being on meth. He said, what, whatever chemical, whatever chemical that happy moments, you, you know, when the happy moments take place in our life, they trigger a chemical in your, in your brain that re, it is released in your body. And, and what happens is this, is that where your body might only release a small amount of that chemical, when a person takes meth, it tells their brain to release all of it. And so that's why they experience this super high. But, but, but I want you to note the rest of that verse. See, it says, it says a pleasure of sin for a season. And, and see, re really what happens, it, that's exactly what the meth user experiences. They go, from, they go from all of that chemical being released in an extreme high to then no chemical at all. 
And so they go into the lowest of lows and all they can think about is getting the next fix. Now I realize tonight you say, man preacher, you're just kind of going. And I re- listen, I realize that's an extreme example, but it's also the same reason why people do what they do when they dabble in sin in our day and time. Well, here's why. Because it does bring, it does pleasure the flesh, but it's only for a season. And that's why people do what, what they do. And I think the other reason why, and I started thinking about this, the other reason why is this, because we think we can get away with it. That's why some have often, you know, have one foot in church and, and then one foot, you know, dabbling in sin and in the world and trying to appear spiritual, you know, in their life. And, and because they're thinking that they can get away with it. And, and listen, and, and some, sometimes it's this, well, you know, the rules don't really apply to me i never forget listening to a guy talk about one time his brothers, him and his brothers and his sisters, they watched the Mary Poppins movie when they were kids. And so, you know, Mary Poppins, she flew around with an umbrella, and so they got the bright idea, let's go get all the umbrellas out of the house and go up onto the roof, and we're going to open up the umbrellas and jump off the roof together. See, this is why people can't have fun stuff anymore. Because of goobers like that, amen. You understand? But here's, so his dad was sitting in the living room, and the window was open, and he said all of a sudden he started watching one kid after the other plop down into the front yard. They jumped off holding that umbrella thinking they were going to fly off like Mary Poppins, and they went straight to the ground like a dead rock and hit the ground and fell down. And he said it was just one kid right after the other, one kid right after the other. And then the dad walked out and said, what are you doing? And they explained to him, and his response was, well, listen, that's fine if you're trying to be like Mary Poppins, but my question is this, why did the second guy and the third and the fourth kid jump after watching the first one fall like a rock? And he said about that time, the baby brother jumped off the roof and he didn't have any umbrella at all. He just landed in the yard and the dad looked at him and just turned around and walked inside. He had, all, he had lost all hope for the next generation. All I could think about was Tim Quinlan. That would be something Tim Quinlan would do as the baby brother right there, just right off the roof, man. That's all I could think about. You, you want to know why they all jumped? Here's why. Because they all thought, well, that didn't work for them, but it'll work for me. I think sometimes that's the same reasoning we have when we're dabbling with what we're dabbling with. But, you know, that applies to them, and maybe that's going to affect them. But as a preacher, it's not going to affect, what, you think you're above the rules? Because you're not. I'm not either. And I think this, and here's really the other thing, is this, is that maybe, maybe we do sometimes the things that we do because we don't always see the effects of it at first. See, the great danger of sin is that it's pleasurable for a season. And, and what happens is this. Now catch that for a season thing because really that gives us the allure that we're okay. And the problem is this. You're only okay for a small amount of time. But it's within that time that we're thinking that we're getting away with it. And I believe this is, I'm sure, I'm sure Achan was thinking the exact same thing as he's got that Babylonian garmish and that wedge of gold hiding under his tent in the ground. And he's thinking, man, everything's all right. And I'm getting away with it until his name is called at the end of the chapter. But, but again, to, to the text that we're looking at tonight, it's already beginning to come to, to the surface. And what, what Achan needed to do was look around and see what was happening and to understand that this was a result of what he had done in his own personal life. And this is what you and I need to see tonight because really it's a way of warning us of some things. And I would say this, and I would even venture to say this in the text tonight, had Achan saw this and got right with God, he might have spared some things that's going to happen at the end of the chapter. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I'd venture to say God's merciful and He might have done some things. And I'm saying to you, He might can do that with, with us tonight. But I, listen, I, I'm just telling you, be sure your sin's going to find you out, and that's exactly what's going to happen with Achan uh, here. It's, it, listen, it brings disaster in Ai, just like it brings disaster to us. So let's look here at verses 1 through 5 here and just chew on some things tonight and go through here verse by verse. Look at verse number 1. 
It says, but the children of Israel committed trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. As already mentioned in verse number 1, it certainly makes a powerful statement as it begins to tell us the direction of how this chapter is going to go. But what you and I must keep in mind as you read that verse is that Joshua and the rest of Israel, they have no idea what Achan has done at this point. Okay, The scripture is simply filling us in on the behind the scenes, if you will. So like the time before, Joshua begins to send men to spy out the land in verse number 2. It says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. All right, just a, a little ways over from the city of Jericho. It's beside Beth Haven and on the east side of Bethel. And spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let, all the peop- let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. So Joshua, like the time before, all right, meaning the city of Jericho, he begins to send men to go out and spy the land. Now, this is what I want you to catch. Everything worked fine. Everything worked just fine beforehand in the city of Jericho. The spies went out. They came back with a report. Israel got victory. And Joshua was planning to do the exact same thing at Ai. And I want you to think about it. Who knows, there could, have been, there could be a Rahab, the harlot, that needs to be rescued again. What a blessing that would be. Uh, Israel has just come off a mountaintop experience with victory over the city of Jericho. Victory in God. And so why not keep the momentum going? And I just want to point out right here in these two verses that really this says a lot about Joshua's character of leadership. You, you, listen, listen to this. You can't sit around and rejoice over last week's victory. You ever thought about that? Uh, you, you understand, victory is certainly great, but we need to move on and have more victories. You, you understand? L- listen, too many Christians are content with what, with what God did last year or last month or last week. And I'm just telling you, listen, what, what is He going to do through you tomorrow? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. That was the hard attitude of Joshua. Hey, listen, that's great, and look at what God did. Let's go see God do some more things. And I'm just saying to you, that's the attitude that we ought to have when it comes to victory and walking with God. Hey, you cannot live off of yesterday's manna. You've got to walk with God daily and see God move and work and continue to move and work. Not looking back, my friend. Yes, look back and rejoice, but look forward. The same God that's doing things there can be the same God that works in your tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about the past four and a half years of pastoring Faith Baptist Church and what a blessing that has been. I mean, I, listen, I, I thank the Lord for the things that He's done. The people that have been saved, the families that have joined and been added to the church. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. Listen, the lives that have, that have surrendered to serve the Lord. I think about the young men uh, surrendering and answering the call to preach. The projects that, that, that have been completed. Man, God gave us a new roof. Don't get too excited tonight. Amen. I, mercy. We even got the parking lot fixed out there so you don't drive off in the cliff and sink down. In the... I'm just listening, but it's, it's not just that. I mean, you think about the finances, and I, and I, don't, mean, I don't mean the money part. I, I'm thinking about how the Faith Promise Missions has doubled, more than doubled in four and a half years. I'm just telling you, only God can do stuff like that. And it's just amazing. And I, listen, and I, all of that is a glory hallelujah, and I praise God, and I think we should look back, and we should rejoice, and we should praise God. But I'm telling you tonight, as the pastor of this church, I don't want to be content with just that. Is anybody getting this? I want to see more people saved. I said, I want to see more people saved. I want to see more families come into Faith Baptist Church who need a church home and want to serve God together and want to yoke up with like faith and doctrine and what we believe and serve God. I want to see more of that. I want to see more young men called to preach. I want to see more families being sent out of Faith Baptist Church in missions and church planning and and, and serving God. Somebody say amen tonight. 
I'm saying to you, friend, that was the heart of Joshua. And here's the other thing to note about his leadership. He didn't change anything to do it. He didn't change anything to do it. He did exactly what he did in Jericho. He sent out the spies. He waited for the report. And then he went to battle. All like Jericho. I'm telling you the plan would have worked had it not been for Achan, that knucklehead. But I'm telling you, listen, the recipe for victory tonight, it's not changed. It's still through Jesus Christ and obedience to His Word. It has not changed, my friend. And I'm, I'm just telling you, too many of God's people are trying to get spiritual victory their own way, and it does not work. You want to see a great example? Read the end of the story here. It doesn't work. And by the way, this applies to us as a church tonight. We, we, don't, we don't need a new plan. We, we just need to stick to the one God's already given us. We don't, listen, we, we don't need to change the music. We, we're not in the entertainment business. Praise God. Listen, we don't need to change the music to appeal to the flesh of men. Listen, if anything, they ought to come in here and get something vastly different from the garbage they hear on their radio. I, well, preacher, you don't understand. I see them sitting out there, and I see them up here, and they're sitting out there in the pew, and we're singing the old hymns, and they're kind of whispering back and forth with one another and looking at the hymn and not you know, singing enough. That's fine. I said, that's fine. Because it ought to be different. They, maybe they are a little taken back. Well, this is different. Yeah, because it's godly. It's not worldly. And we don't need to change Bible versions. Listen, we still got the old authorized King James Version of the Bible. We can still understand it. Well, preacher, you just don't. No, 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 no. It was written on a sixth grade level. What are you trying to say? Written on a sixth grade reading English level. And you're smiling. I just don't understand that stuff. We'll go back to school. That's, that's what homeschooling will do for you right there. No, we, we just need the same godly music. The psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs, the same, the same Bible, the same old preaching, thus saith the Lord. People still need the Word of God. And here's what I found throughout my ministry is when you just do what God said to do, God in His presence and His power shows up every time. And God blesses it. But, but notice again, listen, uh, and, and it just mentioned, it doesn't take but one goober to mess everything up and bring defeat. And so as Joshua continues his routine of spying out the land of Ai and awaiting the report and going into battle, he's thinking victory is ahead. But what he doesn't realize is that Achan has taken of the accursed thing and he's kindled the anger of God against Israel. And so really what I see is this tonight is that as you keep going here in verses 4 and 5, you really see two effects that Achan's sin has on the children of Israel that begins to surface among them. And I just want to show you some things tonight. Look at verse number 4. And this is what I would call the cowardliness of the soldiers. Look at verse number 4. It says, So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men. But watch this. It says, And they fled... Before the men of Ai. Now you, listen, you, you would think, okay? You would think that after what they just witnessed at the city of Jericho and marching around the wall seven times and the walls come tumbling down and getting this great victory over this, I mean, I, I'm telling you, this, 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 this indefensible city, right? I mean, just a... I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to, I can't imagine the, 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 the walls and, and how you can't get in, but yet God made a way. And you would think that here they are coming to this little city of Ai, and it's like, man, they're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. And go in and take the city. But it doesn't seem to be the case as these men get into Ai. The report from the spies was this, is that Ai was just a few people. There was no need to send all the people down, just two or 3,000, Joshua. And so just to be sure, Joshua sends 3,000 men to do battle and conquer the land. But that's not what happened. Instead, we find the men, those 3,000 men, 
running from the few that were in Ai. These men, the reason these men fled is because I believe this, I believe they knew that the presence and the power of God was no longer among them. You know, in all the times before, these priests were there. The Ark of the Covenant was there, symbolizing the presence and power of God. I mean, listen, even before Jericho, they, Joshua spoke with the captain of the Lord of hosts. That'd be Jesus Christ. But I've I got to be honest with you, and I want you to listen to this. It wasn't necessarily the absence of those things at Ai that caused this. No, it, it was the sin of Achan. They had kindled the anger of the Lord against Israel, and as a result, His presence and His power was no longer among them. Do you know this, that boldness and confidence in God in the face of enemies is always associated with the fullness of His Spirit and His presence? Boldness and confidence in God in the face of enemies is always associated with the fullness of the Spirit of God and His presence in our lives. In fact, listen to what it says about the church at Jerusalem when they were being persecuted in the book of Acts. It says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, And when they, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. I'd like to see that. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. I, I know this. I know this. In my personal life, when I'm not where I need to be spiritually, one of the very first things that begins to surface in my life is that I begin to lose my confidence and boldness in God. Insecurity begins to creep in. You thinking with me tonight? I begin to assume things. What are they saying about me? Are they talking about me? Are they what? Who cares? But that's really what happens. You begin to start fearing what people think and what people are saying rather than what he thinks and what he says. Is anybody catching this? I'm, I'm just saying to you, I, listen, that, that, is the, that is the immediate result of personal sin and not having a right fellowship with God for the child of God. Yeah, listen, but also, but also listen, but also think about this. Also think about the corporate application that's here. See, in a church setting, in a church setting, it only takes one to remove the presence and the power of God. The Bible doesn't say, but Achan was most likely not even at the battle at Ai. Yet the men still ran cowardly because all of Israel was missing the presence and the power of God. My friend, I'm telling you, it only takes one. That's the lesson from Achan here, right here. It only takes one to, to quench the Spirit of God in a church service. And I, listen, I, I'm telling you tonight, listen, I'm, I'm a firm believer in preparation to worship God. I don't think we should approach worship flippantly. I really don't. I think that there should be preparation in music. I, I, think, I, I think that the song leader needs to be praying about the hymns that we sing and, and the special music they need to be practicing. And by the way, they do. They do those things. I'm not saying it because we don't tonight. I, I believe that they do. I, I see them at Sunday night staying late or Wednesday night staying late. And they're practicing and preparing and getting ready because that is all a part of the worship of God. Excuse me, they're not here to entertain. I said it's part of the worship of God. And there ought to be much preparation in the preaching of God's Word. 
There ought to be much time spent in studying and praying and, 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 and exposing the Scriptures and all of those things. And again, all of that is, all of that is taking place uh, here at Faith Baptist Church. But here's the other thing. There has to be much preparation in the people of God as well. I don't think you would like it if I just showed up and winged it. I think it would have a powerful effect, wouldn't it? I don't think we should. I don't think the people in the pew should show up and just wing it. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. And I, I believe this. I believe if God's people truly prepare and spend time with God in prayer, and come in filled with the Spirit of God, oh my friend, what a service that would be. i, I got to be honest, and I, and I believe this, I believe we've experienced a few of those pretty close times, you know what I'm saying? We're just mercy. I mean, just right off the bat, the people are singing unto the Lord. You can just sense the presence of God and the power of God in the services. And oh me, oh my, there's just liberty to preach and nobody's sleeping and nobody's looking at their watch. It's crazy how I said something about that this morning. And five people came by and said, I didn't sleep and that was a great message. <laughs> the message this morning. And man, I'm just saying, listen, and it's just, man, and the response at the altar, it is just, and, and people just, you know, being stirred and letting God work in their heart. I'm saying, I, I believe we've seen something. But what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that, is that if preparation, if preparation is the result of the presence and power of God among us as God's people when we corporately gather together to worship God, then couldn't we also say that when there's a lack of preparation, that results in the presence and the power of God being hindered corporately among God's people. And that's really, I'm telling you, that's really what you and I find in the lesson tonight from Achan, is that one guy, all it took was one guy to be dabbling in sin and wickedness, and the next thing you know, the whole nation is living in defeat because they lack the presence and the power of God among them. It just takes one. I served as the youth director at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri for about two and a half years. And then the Lord moved us to Bible Baptist Church in Cassville, Missouri in 2008, and I became their pastor. They had a mailbox out in the front there, but it's kind of in the rural area, and the road had about four different names. <laughs> so they had a mailbox out there, but we never got mail in it because nobody knew our address. It wasn't until right before the Lord moved here, I finally realized what our, or found out what our address was before we got it put on the church van, and I'm glad I called the county clerk or whatever, and they finally got things straightened out because I almost put the wrong address on the wrong van. <laughs> They'd been looking for Bible Baptist Church and been driving out in the middle of some farm field somewhere, and where's it at? So we had a P.O. box. And I used to go up to the post office about two or three times a week and check the mail and go through everything, and right after I'd become the pastor there, probably wasn't there maybe about a year, and I went up to the post office and I checked the mail. And in the mail there was a letter. And it was from a young lady that was in our youth department when we were at Berean Baptist Church. I opened up the letter in the parking lot right there in my vehicle. And I started reading it. And come to find out, you know what it was? It was an apology letter. God had been dealing with her about her attitude towards God. Her attitude towards the authorities in her life. Including her former youth director. And so she wrote me apologizing. And she said this at the end of the letter. She said this. She said, I truly believe after God dealing with me that I was one of the big hindrances to God working in the youth group like He wanted to. Now I would say to you, well, well wait a minute. Now you're just taking too much upon yourself. But the truth of the matter is when you read the story and the account of Achan, it's true. It's true. All it takes is just one. 
All it takes is just one young lady with an improper attitude towards authorities in her life to ruin the spirit of a youth group. All it takes is one church member to start dabbling in sin. And the next thing you know, we'll find ourselves in spiritual warfare. And the things of God being hindered because of what we're doing in our personal lives. I don't know about you, but it's pretty humbling when I read this kind of stuff and look at it and go, whoa. Because here's the thing, in my heart, I don't want to have anything in my life that would hinder what God wants to do at Faith Baptist Church. And I would hope that that would be in your heart as well. So the life of Achan tonight certainly brings that about us. I mean, it brings us to that place where we've got to look and examine some things and make sure we're not one of the ones hindering things that, that God wants to do around here. But here's the other thing about this. I want you to notice not only the, the cowardness of the soldiers here, but it's, it's more than that because there's casualty. Look at, how, look at what happens in verse number 5. It says, And the men of Ai smote, them about, smote of them about thirty and six men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So the Bible says here that 36 men were killed in Ai. And I, listen, I, I realize tonight we would look at that and say, hey, that, I mean, you, you think about the total number of Israelites at this time, probably in the range of two to, to four or five million. And so, you know what, preacher, that, I mean, that's, that's a loss of 36. So that's not a huge loss. Well, yeah, but tell that to their families. Because now you've got 36 birthdays that's going to be missed. Or you've got 36 wives without husbands. And who knows how many children without dads. Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? So, so you, you understand, it, it, may, it may just be a small amount of men that were killed at Ai, but you've got to understand, it's still important to somebody. And here's the other thing that you also have to note about these casualties. And I think this is something else you need to take into account. This is the only time in the conquering of Canaan under Joshua's leadership that casualties are reported among the Israelites. Although the conquest of Canaan took five to seven years, Scripture only reports the death, the, only reports death and defeat in this battle right here what should have been listen what was a small really a small village that should have been wiped out Israel couldn't defeat with 3,000 men it's not how minimal the damage was it's how little it took to cause 36 men to lose their lives and a whole nation to suffer defeat it only took one man to partake of the accursed thing now listen, you, you, I, you can read the commentators. Boy, they're fun. There's all kinds of arguments to make over the disaster at AI. Discovery Channel reported. Listen, there, there are some that would argue, well, you know, the, 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 the spies, they, didn't give a, they gave a very poor report. They didn't do what they should have done. Joshua should have said, Everybody, he should have went back and talked to the captain of the host and all of this stuff. Listen, you, you, you and I can sit here and argue all of those things, but you've got to remember that Israel could have defeated Ai with any number of troops had they had God on their side. After all, all it took was God and a ruddy little teenager to whip a giant. But all it took here was for Achan to partake of the accursed thing. To ruin and bring defeat to a nation. How true it is of what Paul said in the New Testament. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Achan shows us a truth tonight. Listen to this. Here's the second thing. And I'm finishing up tonight. No matter how little the effect of your sin may be to you, it can be huge to others. 
you catch that? No matter how little your sin, the, you, the, no matter how little the effect of your sin may be to you, it can be huge to others. One of the hardest things I've watched as a pastor is to watch children suffer the consequences of their parents' wickedness. A parent enjoys adultery while the child endures a broken home. A parent enjoys addictions while the child endures poverty. A parent enjoys their false gods of materialism and money while the child endures loneliness and a lack of love. You getting any of that tonight? And by the way, I've seen the same principle take place in church. I've seen a pastor do something wicked and evil and it deeply hurt the congregation causing many to turn away from the faith. That's called casualties. And I've seen individuals or even a family get into some sin and wickedness and it discouraged or hurt others in the church and they too end up quitting the things of God. Again, that's called casualties. Is everybody catching this? What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. Please listen to this. No man is on an island to himself. You can sit here tonight and believe the lie of the devil that your sin only affects you. But I'm going to tell you something tonight, friend. It may, the effects may be little in your life, but they may be huge in somebody else's life. And Achan shows us those things. Faithfulness, faithfulness and service to the Lord. It encourages others, but sin can bring a melting heart to the people of God. And you may sit here tonight and think, man, man, I'm okay. But not according to the account of Ai. In fact, according to the account of Ai, I'd check the surface tonight. I'd check and see and look around and see, because here's the thing. You may already see some things that are having its effect. And my advice to you tonight would be this. If that's what's taking place, that's what's going on in your life, then stop right now, my friend, and humble yourself and plead the blood and get right with God because here's what I know about our God. He can take it and forgive you and turn it around for His glory. Don't wait and get to the end until somebody has to call you out. And it's God. And He deals with you. And the ultimate consequences come crashing down on you and your family. That's the lesson tonight that we begin to see taking place in the life of Achan. Let me ask you something tonight. Pretty powerful stuff here, but I'm telling you, the question is really this. Are we going to heed what's going on? What Aiken's life begins to show us. Let's all stand tonight. Things begin to